Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. I can't stand the word busy. Can you please just get right back into what you were sharing, <laughs> Doug? Yeah, it was, it was funny. Like, you know, a minute ago you were telling me, you know, I know you're busy with podcasting and training. And then you were like, I hate the word busy. And I just said, yeah, I know. And I'm personally, like I use it like way too often. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's interesting when people are like, how you been? I'm like, Oh, all is well busy, but, but good. Right. That's like a typical response. If I'm like in the thick of it and I just don't have a lot of time to talk, it's like almost like an auto responder. Right. It's so sad. No, it is. Cause but it's kind I, of boring. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, and you know what it's, it's crazy. Like the, the term I'm busy reminds me of I'm fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I'm good. Everything's good. Right. Yeah. Where it's like just this typical like subconscious response where maybe consciously we don't have the bandwidth or the energy to actually intuitively think about like what's actually going on in our lives. And what I was sharing was, I don't, I don't know if it was from a conversation I had on my podcast or if it was just something that I was just observing in, in what the content that I um, ingest where I saw somebody say that the word busy is like saying I'm fine. It's like, so yeah, just mundane and average. And it's almost yeah. like the default thing that people say when they have no idea what's actually going on in their lives. Yeah. Or it's the, I need, I'm, this is how I feel important and productive. So I'm just so busy. Right. right. And for me, I, I always say this, like my community knows, like I'm an asshole with words as a writer, um, as an artist, well, words to me are an experience and you know, they, they literally give energy, you know, to you, to, to whoever you're speaking with. So when people ask me, you know, how are you doing? Or, you know, I'm like, I'm creating, I'm grinding, I'm sweating. I'm, you know, but I literally try and give more than, Oh, I'm just busy because busy is like, we're all busy. And then we fucking die. <laughs> right. <laughs> what else you got, right. Right. I think, I think the, the more accurate, response sometimes when we're in that, in the thick of it, like on autopilot is like, man, like I'm super overwhelmed right now. I got a lot going on. Um, and I just don't have much energy to do much else other than what's in front of me right now. And it's, it's interesting because like so many people, like, especially in the self-help space, there's so much like rhetoric around being productive and being efficient and being in balance. And I think that that is all like productivity is, so important as an entrepreneur. Like if you're not being productive, like you're it's, it's hard to win the long game. But I also think we need to acknowledge, at least for me, like this dance and entrepreneurship where like one day you think you have everything freaking figured out. And the next day you're like, shit, everything's falling apart. Right. And then, then the next day, like, yes, I have it all figured out. I mean, maybe it's not that extreme, like in, in, um, and excessive like that, but you get what I mean. Like, it's like right. a, few, a few weeks are like, man, I'm on fire. I feel like I'm in flow or whatever, however you like to describe it. And then like you hit like a bump in the road and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is this happening? How come I can't get a break? Like, oh my, am I going to have enough money to pay my bills? Am I going to ever be able to retire? Am I ever going to be in a relationship? Like all these things. Right. But I think what trips people up, Roxy, is that they, they take those moments 
and they stigmatize them. Yeah. They take those moments and they feel ashamed because they think that what is being displayed on social media is truth. They mm-hmm. think that there's this one size fits all approach to being in business, being in a relationship, working out, like whatever you, whatever you call it. Yeah. And I think the, the reality is that the more you can learn to accept that that's just part of the process and it, it is this roller coaster that we're on with, with life. Yeah, I think the more you win, because those those downward, um, those down days, those down weeks, those times where you feel like you have no idea what's going on, they become shorter because you're not reaching to self medicate with substances. You're not reaching to self medicate with people, sex, money, and then that down period that may 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 have only lasted a few days is now lasting a few weeks few months or four or a few years because of the decisions you made as a result of stigmatizing how you were feeling at that time. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes it's I, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And so it, it, to me, I really hear that as truth. You know, I never speak in absolutes unless I can science, but I, I do feel like that, you know, it, it's kind of like, first of all, like look at nature, nature, you know, there's ebb and flow, right? We are nature. So the more that we can kind of learn from nature, the more that we can kind of, I feel just what you said is like, accept more of that. This is the natural flow, man. And I don't personally ever, I don't really, again, the word thing, I don't have good or bad days. I have high and hard days. The heart is always going to give me something, right? So bad doesn't give me anything. So maybe that's just my own mental thing, but it works, you know? But it is so true. I know in my own life as an entrepreneur who's managing multiple different you know, aspects of business, you're in flow, shit feels really good. And all of a sudden it's like, huh? Like, wait a second. Like, ugh. you know, I mean, I just went through that a couple of weeks ago and it's interesting. It's, it's really so important. Like what you do in those moments, like what you just said, if you take it, if you, if, if you let it stick to you and you become the issue. Well, then that's, you're right. Now it's turning a hard day is turning into a hard week, a hard month, a hard year, et cetera. But if you can just, you know, kind of Bruce Lee, it fucking be a little bit more like water, right. Then you can move through those challenges um, and actually gain from them, which is something that we're going to talk about from your perspective. Cause obviously this is like, I'm speaking to your heart. Cause I know that this is something that will you continue to do in your life, but you've certainly done throughout your life and your journey, right? Yeah. And I'm happy to, to dive into that, but I, I kind of want to go deeper on like what we're t- talking about now. Oh, I think yeah. it's so, and I think people we become, and I've been there and I'm still guilty, but we become like attached to the sexiness of certain things. But then when things aren't sexy anymore, we, we realize we, we tend to think that, Oh, like maybe it's not working. Maybe this is just not meant to be. And we forget that not all things, not all parts of certain things that we go after are quote unquote sexy all the time. You think about like relationships, like you get that initial rush when you start dating somebody and you're like, this is great. I'm in love or I'm you know learning, getting to know this person and it feels good. And then all of a sudden you're in that relationship and you're kind of settled in a bit and you're like, Oh, like, why is it not as exciting anymore? Right. And that's just like the dopamine high kind of wears off or even like in entrepreneurship, kind of what we were talking about where 
it's super sexy to be like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and I own my own business and I'm my own boss and I'm doing all these things. And I'm calling the shots, but when business <laughs> is slow yeah. and you got to, you get hit with like a big tax bill or you're behind on certain things, like some, you know, now all of a sudden it's not as cool to be an entrepreneur. Right. And I think you just have to learn, like you said, to have these ebbs and flows and kind of like, you know, Bob, your way through it. And I love what you said about changing like the narrative and the perspective and that you don't have bad days. It's more or less like hard days and high days. Like there's going to be days and there's going to be times where you're feeling on top of the world where set with certain things. And there's going to be times where you hit this like wall. Yeah. And you see this a lot in the fitness space where people hit plateaus and, yeah. and their strength or their plateaus, you know, this and their weight loss. like weight yeah. loss and people's default say, well, I might as well just stop because this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all know that if we talk to some of the most successful people we know in, in different spaces of life, mm-hmm. like success was never linear. Never. Mm-hmm. Right. It's these ups and downs and it's learning how to stay even keel mm-hmm. like amongst those disparities in life. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very Rocky has always been a life hero to me, you know, cause there's just so much relatability and, and just, just how, you know, upbringing challenges and, and really just learning how to take punches and throw punches, you know, um, we are so much more, we're just so much better off when we just can, first of all, accept that life is going to fucking put you on your knees at some moments, you know? And for me, you know, it, it, it's always about like, who are you in those moments? You know, how do you, how do you show up? What do you do? What's your response? Right. And then there's this whole other aspect of like, don't shy away from the challenge. Something I really love though, that you just said is, you know, like, it's not always sexy. And sometimes you, you can think specifically like in the entrepreneur world that like, oh, it's not working or, oh, you're doing it wrong (laughs) because, you know, you're hitting these walls or these issues, but really it's, it's maybe, maybe there's something to pivot from. Maybe there's something to edit and learn from there, but maybe it's just, no, there's in that moment of challenge, there's something, there's like an intangible that you actually need to carry forward to actually get to where it is that you envision and want to go. But it's like a rite of passage. And I'm not saying your life has to be a fucking struggle. Neither are you, but it is to say that you're going to hit, you know, those hard moments and what you choose to do with those moments yourself in those moments is really going to make all the difference in the trajectory of your life. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, I think for me and just talking about my story a little bit, like growing up, um, I thought my life was always going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. So what did I do as a result? I started to identify with that identity, that version of myself. So what would I do? I would cause myself to struggle even more. Yeah. And so going through parents getting divorced when I was a kid, bullied as a teenager, not having a girlfriend in high school, getting cut from all the sports teams, even though I love sports, I had this mentality that life was always going to be super hard for me, no matter what. Yeah. And there, it was never going to get better. So I might as well just throw in the towel and make it as hard as possible for myself. Mm-hmm. And what that looked like was self-medicating with food initially when I was a kid. Then as a teenager, I started to 
to get involved with drugs and to numb the pain, started smoking pot, started selling it to, to, on the side to support my habit. That of course created more struggle within myself. And then in my, my family unit mm-hmm. was kicked out of my house when I was uh, 16 by my, by my mom, because there was just so much tension at this point between us because I had essentially used what was going on in my life as an excuse to just behave like a complete menace mm-hmm. as a teenager without any personal responsibility. And not that my life wasn't hard because yeah, it was definitely, I would say it seemed on paper harder than the average kid that I was spending time with. Right. And then shortly after, um, well, so I, I get kicked out of my mom's house and then I get sent to my dad's house uh, to live with him full-time. My dad and I, have, we still don't have a great relationship. It's much better than it was then, but we butted heads a lot as a kid and ended up going to live with him full-time, changed schools within 24 hours. So again, more struggle, more pain. I thought my life was going to be this way forever. Skated with my way through high school, barely graduated because I was just cutting class so much to get high with my friends and then got out of high school and started to create more struggle, right? So what did that look like? That was... Um, selling pot to make money. It was snorting cocaine. It was, you know, yeah. <laughs> making, ho- I mean, so you can just see where this is going and then and where this is going. And then, and then like a few years later, I end up arrested mm-hmm. on felony drug charges. And I thought again, like my life is going to be like this forever. I'm either going to be dead. I'm going to be a criminal to the rest of my life. Uh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail uh, I'm going to be death by suicide. Cause at that time I had had some thoughts of just not wanting to live anymore based on what my life was like. Yeah. And then I hit jail, which for many and for, and for myself at the time is like the ultimate struggle, yeah. right? It's like the ultimate form of rock bottom because yeah. like, here I am like freedom, <laughs> completely taken away behind bars, um, completely feel like a failure. And that moment saved my life. Yeah. And I realized I didn't have to struggle anymore the way I was struggling. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was going to be okay. And what changed for me, because keep in mind at this point when I'm in jail, it, I had a, you know, a three, 400 milligram a day Oxycontin habit before I went to jail. So I was detoxing cold Turkey. So heavy. Oh, it's awful. It's like the worst thing you possibly ever want to go through. And then I was overweight, 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Mm-hmm. I, was a, I was a drug dealer. I was selling a lot of drugs. So I was a convicted felon because that's what I got arrested for, selling drugs. I had had 21 jobs at the time I was 21. Buried several of my friends in my friend group for because um, they had died young, right? We, and it was just a weird. It was like, I got, emo- I'm like emotionally numb to funerals. When I go to funerals, like I'm like the only person who doesn't like cry. It's very strange. Cause you're because you're so familiar with them. <laughs> I'm just so familiar. I started going when I was a teenager. Like, I don't know anything else. Yeah. And in jail, I still wanted to make things worse for me when I got there. Like I still wanted to blame my, uh, my, my parents for getting divorced. I wanted to blame the girls for rejecting me. I wanted to blame everybody, but Doug Bobst. And there was a conversation that really has shaped my life that I will never forget. And it came by, by way of my, my cellmate who I had gotten when I got into jail, 
and gotten into like my general, the general population of where I was going to actually be spending my time after I got booked and stuff, he was sitting there playing Scrabble. And I remember looking at him and he was like, you know, he asked me, he's like, what are you doing here? And I, I explained a little bit about like what had happened. And he just looked at me and he could tell I had no self-confidence shoulders are rounded forward, talked very slowly. wasn't well, well-spoken like none of that. Right. And he was like, you're going to start working out with me when you get through your drug detox. And I was like, bullshit, dude. Like, have you seen me? Like at the time I could have been a model for Pillsbury. Uh-huh. He's like, all right, man, whatever. And then you mentioned Rocky, like literally this dude, like not too long after that started working out and he looked like Rocky working out, like doing yeah. all kinds of push-ups, pull-ups, like running in, uh, running all around the jail, like climbing, like the, the rails in the, in the uh, common area we were at. I was like, who the hell is this guy? He, he looked like a more jacked version of, uh, Brad Pitt from fight club. Amazing. Right. And we were in the cell one night and he was just asking me more about my story. And he was like, so why are you here? Like he really wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my parents got divorced. Um, I was like, I was bullied in school. I was cut from all the sports teams. And he just looked at me. He's like, quit being a bitch. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like that, like, it, it, like that is not, that is not what you want to be called like ever in life. It's no. never a compliment to be called that. Right. No. And, but it was the conversation that, that shaped in, in a massive way who I am today. And here's why he said, Doug, you're sitting here blaming everybody else for your problems, but yourself. He said, there's plenty of kids that went through what you went through and aren't in jail. He's like, am I right? I'm like, you're exactly right. And he was like, you have two choices. You can be a man. Look yourself in the mirror and say, you got yourself here. You chose to make those decisions to get yourself here. Like I had chosen Roxy to struggle more than that struggle of mine. Right. He was like, you have the choice now to change Mm -hmm. or you can be a bitch, go cry in the corner, say, woe is me and blame everybody else for your problems. He's like, most people will do that. And for like the, for the first time in my life, I felt this immense amount of self-empowerment and control mm-hmm. that I had been missing for so long in my life, just by a, by, by a byproduct of the drug use, I mean, abuse and just being in a fog, I, w- I guess I could say yeah. for most of my life up until that point. And it inspired me. Like I, I got what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear in that moment. Yeah. And it motivated me to start working out with him. And that's essentially what that, that changed my life because that, that time in, in jail working out is what really set the tone for who I am today, building self-discipline, um, knowing that I'm responsible for my choices, knowing that I have to um, have a healthy relationship with pain and mm-hmm. learn how to channel that pain into, into something positive, knowing that it's on me to decide how I handle and deal with my emotions. Like emotions are there and they're going to come and go, but it's up to me on how I choose to to deal with them. And and it gave me hope. And it gave me this realization that life was going to be hard during Mm -hmm. some moments, Mm -hmm. but it didn't have to be that way forever. And my mindset going into jail was that life was always going to be hard. And I think a lot of people have that mindset. And because of that mindset, it, life is always hard for them. There's always right. something going on because right. they are choosing to respond 
in ways that are making their life harder. Now, I know there's certain situations where life is just horrific, right? I'm not talking about sure. like the, the, the super extremes. I'm talking like most people, yeah. right? Yeah. That are, that are having a hard time. No. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to kind of unpack in that. Like my brain is on fire right now. So one thing that I want to bring into this part of the conversation is self-awareness because self-awareness is something that I'm always talking about. It's like centered in my, my coaching. And it's, it's really, um, for me personally, I believe it is, it's everything like without strong levels of self-awareness, by the way, life journey, you have to continuously invest into your self-awareness levels so that they can, you know, be fortified and expand. But without it, you, you're, you're on autopilot. You, you know, you said something about you wanted to make it harder when you got in there for yourself, right? Like when you got to jail, you're like, I want to make it harder. My thought is like, but were you awake? Were you conscious of that? Or were you just habitually so comfortable? And that might sound so weird to some people, but people don't realize actually like there's comfort in this habit of feeling like shit. It's actually a habit until you wake up. It sounds like your guardian angel cellmate, you know, says what, don't be a bitch. And that literally, it feels like to me, like that was your wake up of Holy shit. Wait a second. Am I like, where am I in this relationship with myself? I actually have fucking power and choice to, and, and how I respond. So I guess, you know, there was a lot that I just said there, but like, can you talk about self-awareness and how that has played into, into your life from that moment on, even to today? Self-awareness is everything. And it's something that I like, I love to talk about as well. And I think to your point about, I was even aware that I was making my life harder. Like, like, no, I don't think I, I was. I think just subconsciously, I had just developed this fundamental belief about myself that life was always going to be hard for me and that I wasn't going to succeed at anything. And that I, I was hopeless and I didn't think I was ever going to have a relationship. I didn't think I was ever going to have success, like the whole nine yards. So that what I did was self-medicate with drugs, which then like completely like numbed my, my self-awareness down to where I was, I was a zombie essentially. Yeah. And I, I, I guess, and I think when you do that Roxy and then combine that with the fact of your, the people you spend time with, like Mm -hmm. that becomes like your new normal. Like I, I often will say, and this is, this comes back to self-awareness as well. And I think you'll like this is that your environment creates this false sense of normalcy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people just aren't aware of how much their environment impacts you. And the perfect example is this, and this is one that I'm sure people have heard is that let's just say, let's just say you and I are married, right? Just for this, the sake of this conversation, let's say we're married and like, I have a drinking problem mm-hmm. and I'm at the bar from 11 AM to 11 PM Monday through Friday, every single day, right? Just by, my, by, by myself going there without you just drinking with everybody else at the bar. I come home and you're like, Doug, like, what the fuck? Like, stop, <laughs> like, stop going to the bar. You, you have a problem. We need to go talk to somebody. We need to get you help. We need to do this, that. And I'm like, well, what? Like, I don't have a problem. Like everybody else is doing it because everybody else is fucking doing it that I'm spending time with. Like everybody else at that bar is spending. I mean, if, for the, the people that I'm talking about is spending from 11 AM to 11 PM, like drinking at the bar. So of course 
I'm going to adapt to that environment. Like we are creatures of our environment, when yeah. our environment, whether we want to believe it or not, like we are right. Mm-hmm. And, and your environment can either up-level you or it can down-level you like depending on the who you're spending time with. And I honestly didn't fully understand how important that was until I started to change my own habits and actually develop self-awareness around like who I wanted to be and, and what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to, when I got out of jail, I was super focused on my health and super focused on personal development and doing what I could to go back to school and all these things that hanging out with my old friends, it became like an awkward first date where yeah. it wasn't that I wasn't like, I hated them. It was just like, we had nothing to talk about anymore because that was no longer normal for me anymore. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And so I say that because I think when you combine um, how you respond to moments of struggle with the fact that you are spending time with people that are doing that exact same thing and validating the bullshit that you're creating in your own life, like hard becomes normal subconsciously for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what the science is behind it, but I do know that from personal experience and experience of other people I've talked to about this is that there's something to it. And so when I got to jail and all the drugs were out of my system mm-hmm. and I had, you know, again, the first few, few days or few or the first few weeks I was in there, I had come to terms with the fact that my life was going to be like this forever until my cellmate was like, no dude, like it doesn't have to be this way. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, it is. And he's like, no, like stop being a bitch. Like, you know, stop complaining. And then when I got down to do like a push up, cause he, he, like, again, after we had, um, decided to start exercising, I was like, all right, let's give it, let's give this exercise thing a try. And I didn't realize how bad I was until I got down to do a push up and couldn't even do one for my knees, could barely walk. And I was just like, well, like, why can't I do this? He was like, cause you're fat. And I was just like, well, I'm not. And he was like, I'm not coddling you, Doug. And, and, and he was like, you have excess belly fat. Your core is weak. You're your upper body strength is like nothing. So you're collapsing. And I was like, dang, he's right. And I never wanted to call that again. So from that moment, I committed myself to choosing something different for me because I wanted something different deep down. I just never thought that I could. And then once I began to be able to do some push-ups, I realized that life didn't always have to be hard as long as I put the effort into it, believed in myself a little bit and just continue to take like one step at a time and focus on how far I'd come and not how far I had to go. And then, you know, you get, I got to the point where I was able to do a set of 10 pushups and run a mile by the time I left jail. And I felt this massive monkey come off my back that I finally had like the self-confidence to stand strong and stand tall as myself, not myself with the use of drugs, not myself, with the use of selling drugs, not myself by manipulating and lying to myself about how good of a person I was, despite all my bad choices and how, how like much of my life was created by other people's problems and not my own. And, and it changed me and it shaped the way I manage adversity. Now where now when it comes to self-awareness, it's very useful for me when I'm having a hard time and I break it down like this, like I I call it the three A's. Like I think you have to have awareness, acceptance and action when Mm -hmm. it comes to like dealing with, with struggle. And for me, it's like awareness is okay. Like what's going on? Like, 
if my energy's down, like why, like, what is it about that? What I'm, what is it about that? What I'm doing or, is it how I'm eating? Is it because I haven't had a lot of sleep? Like just having awareness around what's going on. I mean, like, okay, like um, the A is accept, like, okay, accept the fact that if we're in the midst of a pandemic mm-hmm. and you don't know um, what's going to happen in the next few months or the gyms are shut down or whatever, yeah, like, except that it's normal to be anxious about that. Like, and if you weren't anxious, like you wouldn't have a freaking pulse. Right, (laughs) and so, so, and I think people get. I honestly think Roxy people get they get caught up in that, and they're like, "Oh my god, like why am I feeling anxious? This means something's wrong with me." It's like, no, it means you're normal, and like it's a a normal survival. (laughs) It's a survival response, knowing like, all right, I better be on high alert, like on how I'm going to get through this. Right, and then the third, and I think it's the most important one, is is action, and this is where I think people get tripped up in that. Um, and again, it's, it's individual, very individualistic if to do what works for you. But for me, it means that I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking actions that are aligned with the highest version of myself and that are going to help me feel better mm-hmm. that are healthy. So it could be going and taking shadow of my dog for a walk. It could be calling a mentor. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be looking at myself in the mirror. No, I'm kidding. It could be <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's welcome over here. I'm like, no, <laughs> joking. Um, it could be, uh, you know, going and lifting weights. I mean, you just fill in the blank. I mean, I have certain tools in my life that allow me to use self-awareness to my advantage and being like, okay, I'm aware of what's going on. Now, what am I going to do about it? Because I think there's a, there's a, a level of people that have self-awareness about how crappy their life is, but don't want to do anything about it. But like you said, I would say that most people who aren't in the personal development space, there's a lot of people that have no self-awareness. Yeah. Like they're almost on autopilot in life. And not that that's like, if you're having success and mm-hmm. life is good and you're happy, like I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people that are just miserable and can't figure out why they're miserable. Like right. they have no idea. Right. No idea. Yeah. No, gosh, that framework is so powerful. I love fucking awesome frameworks like that. Um, I think, you know, well, there's a couple of things. Number one, I want to ask you when you, when you said I committed myself, um, to, you know, like basically starting to work out and get healthier, do you feel like that was an actual conscious decision? Like the word decision is so important, right? Or was it more of like, you know what? He has a point. I'm going to investigate this and this is how I'm going to do it. And it was kind of subtle. I think it was, there was a couple things. I think, and I, I say this, I've said this before. I think sometimes when we have our face down in the mud, I think it really helps to have that person in our lives sometimes like pull us up by the back of the head mm-hmm. and like lift our eyes up just a little bit. Because I think when we're in those moments, like we're in this period of darkness where we can't see light in front of us at all. And we're just flooded with nothing but uncertainty, fear, hopelessness, anger, like all the things, which I think is perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. I think during that conversation with my cellmate, like he um, pulled my head out of the mud just a little bit so I could see just a little bit. And I realized I had more control over my decisions than I thought I did. Because I thought that my life was destined for total failure, no matter what. 
And I think if you look at what had happened leading up to that, I mean, I'm not wrong. I wasn't wrong for believing that. I mean, when I say I went to funerals, I went to funerals, like not people I would see on Facebook. I mean, like people we hung, I hung out with like on the weekends, Yeah, you know, and having all those jobs. So like I had 21 jobs by the time I was 21 and it wasn't like I was putting in two weeks notice and then going and getting jumping. I was fired. <laughs> I was not showing up. I would quit. And so Internally, I thought of myself as a failure. And then you couple that with the broken relationships I had with my family and not having any luck with girls. Like I just knew that every, I had this idea that anything I tried wasn't ever going to work. Mm-hmm. And so when my cellmate had that conversation with me, he was like, Doug, you have the power to do it. Like It's up to you. And then when I got down and to do that push-up, I just was so beside myself. And I'd also gotten to the point where I was like, all right, like maybe he's right. Like I, I wanted, I wanted more for myself, Roxy. Like I, I knew I had always wanted more like before that. I just never knew how, like yeah. I said, I just figured that my life was going to suck the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So I might as well just act and behave in that way. Right. But this time I knew that like, I, I, I what other choice did I have? I was either going to sit here and get the shit beaten out of me while I'm in jail, not physically, but like mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. Or I was going to embrace like that inner lion that had always been inside of me and was going to freaking be the king of the jungle. Yeah. And, um, and then once I was able to do that one push up that mm-hmm. I never thought I could do, I was like, all right, well, what's next? Two push ups, three push ups. And you start stacking these wins. Now, all of a sudden, you know, your, your head is like, you know, my head was a little bit out of the mud where I could see a little bit of light. Now it's like all the way out of the mud. And now like I'm doing like seven or eight pushups and now I'm like, got like one foot up and I'm like, you know, starting to really crawl my way out of this mud. And then I do that set of 10 and I'm like, now I'm freaking walking through the mud and I'm like, yeah, you know, what the, what the hell is next? Like bring it on. And there was a pivotal moment for me. It's kind of a, a funny story. So my dad had come to, to visit me in jail and like I said, my dad and I had always butted heads. He brought my brothers. And for those who are listening, or if you're watching this, you, you, you know, that um, if you ever seen like any kind of movie that, or show that shows jail scenes, when, when people come to visit you, there's this glass window and there's the phone on either side. And that's, that's exactly how it happens. And, and I just started to, to really work out and feel good about myself. And my dad's sitting there yelling at me. He's like, you're going to rehab. And I'm like, fuck rehab. I found fitness. And he's like, Oh, you're going to, and he starts screaming at me. And I'm like, dad, like, why are you yelling at me? I'm in jail. Like, what <laughs> else do you want from me? Like how much worse do you want my life to be right now? And I just remember being like, you know what? Like F you hung up the phone, walked out, went back into the common area, went up to my cellmate. And I was like, what's wor-? I was like, let's work out. And he was like, what the hell has gotten into you? Like you're asking me now to work out. <laughs> and I remember when I, when I first got there, when I was starting to work out, people in jail were telling me, think about what makes you angry. Mm-hmm. Like think about what, what makes you sad. Like think about those negative emotions and tap into it to like do those last few reps. Mm-hmm. People who are listening to this who like it or who uh, know what I'm talking about, you definitely get it. You know what I'm talking about. And it's fucking <laughs> awesome. Once you learn how to like attach that behavior to emotion. And I, I learned how to channel like this deep rooted anger I had towards the people that wronged me, including myself into something positive, like fitness. And it just became like second nature. Now that I created this new normal 
and yeah. reattached behavior to emotion. Like I was kind of hinting at a second ago where my new normal wasn't now to get stressed and do drugs. My new normal was I was stressed in jail and I was going to go for a walk or I was going to go for a jog or was do pushups. And, and I just started to change my identity in there. Oh, see, that's okay. That's so huge. It's so powerful. I'm so much of my work and what I speak about is centered in, well, it's centered in self, right? So uh, let me now. I'll, <laughs> there's so much good shit here. So how I hear you and feel your story is like you, you were really a disconnected individual. And so people like, let me just say this. Um, I think a lot of people think that they know themselves because I'm in myself. I know my name. I know my family. I know where I live, but it's like, well, no, 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 no. Do you really have a connection with yourself? This is why am I writing a do capital S E L F because the only way to really develop a strong, healthy, trustworthy, loving, reverent relationship with yourself is really like how you'd create that relationship with anybody. You have to really go out of your way to invest quality time to really get to know and connect with self. Now, when you go back to your childhood and, you know, you're feeling the way you're feeling, you, you know, the challenges and you create this identity around yourself, like nothing is ever going to work out for me, et cetera. All the things you, you, you shared now your identity, you think it's you, but it's really a disconnect from your true self. The lion will use that. And it's a, it's a connection with this identity that you've created. And then what you continue to do from that point is just find ways to validate that identity. I'm going to validate. I'm going to validate through my friends, through this action, through this, you know, um, it's so important. I, I want listeners, what, you know, people who are watching to hear the identity piece here, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what it all comes down to. Like I have a relationship with my future self. She's really like my highest self. She's my whole self. She's me, but she's me so expanded. Right. So it's all like her character is so it, it's, it's nothing foreign to me, but it, it, it's, it's character that has me baiting towards her every day in my actions in my life. Right. But the, the key point here is that I'm so fucking clear on who she is. And I'm so deeply connected with her by being connected with her. I'm deeply connected with myself. I feel like, you know, when you, when, when you, when the self-awareness started to kick in and when you were like, all right, well, I know this life, let me maybe try and just step into a little bit of this and see where it goes head above the mud. And then it, you know, and then you're like yeah. sprinting across the mud, you know, you've, you, you just, you ultimately, you developed a real relationship with yourself. And in that relationship, you, I feel like you, you started to really develop um, more of a connection with your true identity. And this is where like the character building piece comes in, like your attributes, you know, what matters to you, what you believe and that stuff, you know, we can definitely tease apart. Um, you know, but that's, I just, I love, I love everything you shared. And, and I think it's so important because I, I feel like if, if, if more people understood that it, it really has a lot to do this kind of fulfillment in life, and how you can face challenges. If you can start to just realize like self-identity, self-concept, like what, what is that, you know? And another thing I love too, is that, you know, um, like in your framework, the acceptance piece, it's like, look, at the end of the day, 
no one has it all fucking figured out. Okay. We're always learning or not your choice, but if we can stay in the mindset of we're just, we're learning, we're learning, then all the information, the high, the hard, whatever, it's just, it's, it's, there's value no matter what. Right. And I just appreciate that you, you really give yourself grace and I'd even say compassion. Maybe I'd love to hear you um, speak on that just so that you can continue to, to grow in your life and to grow in ways that matter to you more so than ever before. Yeah. I mean, so there's a couple of things you said that I think are important. And, and the one is like the importance of like visualization and casting this picture of who you want to be. Cause I think that helps. Like it helped me a lot where I knew that I had two choices when I got out of jail. I knew that I could have um, this immense amount of fear cripple me and could behave in that way. I could pretty much throw in the towel and say, you know what? Like life isn't worth living. I might as well just be a, a drug addict for the rest of my life, sell drugs, completely like make my life much harder than it already is because I believe that's the way it's going to be forever. But like I, I mentioned when I was in jail, I, I developed this, this faith in myself, this self-confidence that I never had before, where now there wasn't just one choice like that. My only choice that I thought that I had um, back in the day was to just struggle the rest of my life. Like that was it. But now I had this path and I knew that like 97% of me, if I'm being honest, thought I was going to fail. Like really, I really, I mean, I was like, man, like I failed up until this point. Like, 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 why would I, why is my life going to be different? Or how am I going to get there in three months from now, six months from now, three years from now, whatever. But I knew that I had to lean into this, the, the whatever was left over in this blind faith, I call it, mm-hmm. where even though I couldn't see like where my life was going to be in the next two months, three months, four months, I knew that if I just focused on being absolutely fucking relentless and doing whatever it takes, like literally, like if you want to achieve your goals and have success and whatever you're doing, like you got to have this, whatever it takes mindset and just leaving it, leaving nothing on the table, like nothing, like throwing it all like on the line for yourself and knowing that I had a shot to behave in that way. Like I said, do whatever it took, be relentless and focus on becoming a better version of myself each and every day. And that gave me a shot, Roxy. It gave me a chance to succeed. Didn't guarantee it, but it gave me a fucking chance to still be in the game playing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like we, we've talked about this, I think a few times, like where people are embracing or they're in this struggle and they, they count themselves out before finishing the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes. And I, and I did that a lot. And I lost, I lost a lot of, a lot of games because of that. Mm-hmm. But the, that time I spent in jail inspired me to never quit. Yeah. And like, even now, you know, talking about the, the piece on self-compassion, like I'm not perfect. Like, trust me, there's days where I beat myself up. There's days where I say things to people I shouldn't say. There's days I get anxious about somebody not responding to me. There's days where all that stuff happens. Yeah. But what I'm here to say is that 
now I've accepted that all of this is just part of life, mm-hmm. you know, and that I'm learning constantly about what I could do better. Like, could I be more patient in this area? Could I have, could I apologize? Could I, you know, what could I do to apologize and make things right? Like, how could I have approached this, this situation different? Like all these things that now I'm learning, this is part of life where before I would experience these things and then I would rationalize and justify it in such a way that I was always the one that was right. Mm-hmm. And then I never did anything wrong. And then yeah. if somebody didn't get back to me on time, like it was because that they were a bad person and that I deserved for them to get back to me sooner. Or if I said something to somebody that was mean and, and unthoughtful, it was because they deserved it. Not, not because I chose to say it because they deserved it. Yeah. And I think having that, that level of self-compassion coupled with accountability yeah. <laughs> is everything, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, it's a, there's this huge, there's this buzz. It's a buzz where we're the self-love and I, I'm all for self-love. I think it's super important, but it's almost, I think in a way there's certain people that just use it as a crush to do whatever the fuck they want, right. Out of self-love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you gotta be, you gotta be accountable too. Like you can say self, you can say something to somebody that's mean out of, you know, out of self-love because you want to protect yourself. I mean, you want to love yourself. You want to stand up for yourself, but you also got to accept the fact that what you said was mean. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's like radical honesty has to be a part of it. No, there was a post that you, when we first connected uh, through my girl, Gabrielle, um, you know, and I was best fucking best, my sister, um, you know, I was on your Instagram and it was like, there was one post where you were, you were, you were speaking to self-love and I was like, speaking to my heart. We, we were very, we're, we are in alliance there. Um, I'm not saying self-love doesn't have, you know, the, the squirmy feel good bubble bath moments, but for me, self-love is fucking discipline. So for right. me, self-love is no excuses for me. Self-love is that accountability and that honesty, self-honesty, um, is so, so, so crucial because when, when this stuff is, you know, when, when you're operating life with this, um, this kind of self-love, I mean, you're really going to position yourself differently in life. Like you're, you're certainly going to be removed from the victim mentality. Like that doesn't even, but you're going to put yourself in, you know, stronger positions to, to win. Can we both just say, can we both just not to interrupt you? Can we both just come to terms with, and just let everybody know that being a victim isn't going to get you anywhere. (laughs) Have we settled that yet? Cause I feel like, (laughs) I mean, does anybody that listens to you or me even, I mean, maybe they have victim moments, but you know, for sure we all do. Yeah. Well, I'm like, do I, I fucking have beaten that shit. Like, listen, in my twenties, I'm in my forties. Right. So in my twenties, it's in my journals, a hundred percent. But I've become so addicted to the feeling of, you know, it's my fault or like, listen, I'm also very compassionate. You know, it's like the masculine and the feminine energy, very harmonized in me innately. Um, So I'm not someone who I don't have to beat myself up and feel like shit to learn something. I can be compassionate and still say, hey, girl never again, or we could do better or whatever. But that honesty piece, even if it stings, I'll fucking take it eight days a week, but I I can, I can deliver it to myself with, with real love is how I see it. You know? Yeah. 
do you, do you think though, and this is totally objective being objective. I, I'm not saying you are, aren't, but there is like this, this narrative now um, in the personal development space of just being like radically responsible and taking full ownership of everything, which I think is important, but don't you think, do you think that it can also have like this double-edged sword where now you're not even holding other people accountable for how they treat you because you're like, Oh, it must be, everything's my fault. I'm going to take responsibility. And then you're like, almost like forgetting to call out people for, for treating you wrong because you have this assumption that no matter how anybody treats you, it's your fault, no matter what. Fucking awesome question. I, this is where self-respect comes down to the scene because self-respect is going to apply boundaries, right? Bottom line. And I, I, I love speaking about boundaries. There's so many com- different kinds of boundaries and, and ways that one can apply a boundary. Like sometimes there's, you don't even need to fucking say anything. It's a frequency, but I definitely stand, you know, I'm a fighter my whole life. You know, like I got three brothers, like we, we fucking, I'm going to say something to you. If I need to, I will always investigate myself, no matter what I, I can say this, even in my love life, like just years ago, you know, like the, going through something was, and I was like, that motherfucker, that was wrong. That was so wrong. And then, so, and confronted, like full confrontation. But I had to look at myself too, because you, because the thing is, is like, at the end of the day, you landed there, wherever there is. You probably don't want to land there again. If you, if you can, you know, if you have the ability to kind of, you know, see that that doesn't happen in order for you to know how to not land there again. I mean, we need to investigate self. So it's, you know, I don't know if that it's not necessarily a black or white answer, but I just think that, um, yes, you're right. If it's all my fault always, and then you're just like letting people have their way. Well, you actually don't have fucking a lot of self ownership and respect because you're not able to then express a boundary that needs to be expressed. But I still think that there is power no matter what, um, to invest just even just for investigating, you don't have to draw any conclusion of it's my fault, but just check in. That's right. I think the most important thing. Yeah. I think checking in is super important because I think there's these default quote unquote statements that, that used to have a lot of meaning back in the day. And it, and it used to mean a lot different. You talk about like, I'm doing okay. I'm busy. I mean, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Like those things like 20, 25 years ago were probably carried a lot more weight than they do now. Yeah. But now with the, the rise in, in social media and just speaking your truth and like putting <laughs> yourself out there, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm when, here when, for this. When you say, and again, I think I, I would also say it's, it's important to stand up for yourself and speak your truth, but, but, but you, you see a lot of people that would just say as a default, Oh, my bad, my fault. And they won't like understand like why it is like, what happened? Like, what'd you do? Like, how are you going to do different next time? Yeah. Right. And it becomes this like half-assed answer to somebody where it just doesn't carry the same weight that it used to because, and specifically, and specifically in relationships where you've been doing like the same thing over and over again. If like, you're like, all right, I cheated on you. My fault. My bad. Won't do it again. Cheated on you. My bad. And then it's like 15 times. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like, do you really think it's your fault? Or are you just saying that because you're just programmed in such a way that you think that that's, what's going to make somebody else feel better or make somebody else trust you again. And really 
you know, trust comes from self-trust. Like you kind of, you pointed at that, right. Where you have to get into the weeds on why you made that decision and, and have the self-awareness on like what we were going through at that time. Like for me, I know that when I am stressed, when I'm anxious, when I don't sleep well, mm-hmm. like I, apologies in advance sometimes because I'll be, I'll say some things that I don't mean. I can tell myself, I can, t- I can uh, see myself being more like uptight or antsy just because I'm, I'm run down. And does it mean that I'm, uh, I'm like that all the time when I experience those emotions? No, but that is like a trigger for me. Right. Sure. And I've understood that when I don't sleep well, when I'm highly stressed, mm-hmm. I am more on edge than average. And that's why those tools I discussed before come into play where it's like, all right, during the, these, these times, I know like massage is going to be super important for me to relax yes. during these times. I know for me to just like veg out, watch TV for a few hours during the day is like important for me yeah. or watching a, a com- I love comedy. And I like, that makes me feel better. Like when I'm having a bad day. So having these different tools, other than the ones I mentioned before, which are more fitness related. Yeah. Are, are super important so that when you are acting in a certain way, you're able to mitigate um, some of the, the pain mm-hmm. that can end up coming from how you treat other people. Um, if, if instead you have the self-awareness to know like where you're at and honoring your energy for those moments. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so huge. And, and really this is like self-mastery, you know, because right. I think what you're saying, which is so valuable is valid is, um, you know, no one really, no one's off the hook here. Like we're going to have our moments or moods, whatever, like biology is a real thing. Female, like we have hormones, like the shit is real. You know, you didn't <laughs> yeah. sleep good. Like it is real to have the self-awareness and then ultimately to have what I call emotional discipline too, is to be able to say like, look, this is where I'm at. Um, let me investigate like your framework, which is so amazing. You know, like, let me awareness, like what's going on here. Oh, maybe I need to sleep more. Maybe. And then you just put these tools in. Um, and also it's, I think it's so important. Like if you're dealing with people, whether it's a loved one, whoever, like people you work with, but you need to know how to communicate and have strong communication, um, skills to be able to say like, Ooh, my nervous system is fucking tripped up right now. So I'm just going to take a moment and do whatever, whatever, but this is self mastery, you know, rather than like trying to, well, number one, not being aware of it. Number two, like trying to push it away, um, and deny it. You're just like, here I am. And let me now try to do this, this, or that to harmonize myself again. Right. 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 And then, and also being like, again, like aware of how your the actions, um, of yourself are impacting like other people and not using whatever it is you're going through as an excuse. Like, you know, if you didn't sleep well, like one night and you're like, and you just slap me and I'm like, what the fuck, what the fuck? You're like, I didn't sleep well. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You just slap me. You know, you like, you have to like be like, I, you have to still own like your behaviors just because, <laughs> just because, just because. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking do. I love how real you are. I, I've captured that about you, and it's like very comforting. It's like 
Well, I mean, it's, you see true. this a lot where people like will blame whatever they are going through and like they expect to be able to behave in whatever way they are. And it's like, no, well, no like it doesn't doesn't make it doesn't give you a green light to just no. act a fool because you didn't sleep well or because you're going through it. Like I, I, those things are definitely tough. And I've been there. Right. Um, right. But what I found is that when you don't hold yourself accountable and you don't learn to face the music on your own, like you wind up in places like jail, like I did, because I was unwilling to take accountability for my response to the night, the days where I, where I was feeling off. And those days obviously became, you know, more common than not when I was younger because of the choices I was making and because of just a byproduct of the environment that I was in. But like, it wasn't until I decided to acknowledge that, that my relationship with pain, stress, adversity, anxiety, like, like change for good. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, listen, you've come a long way. You know, some of the things that are so admirable to me personally, as a writer, like you've written three books. Are you writing yeah. another one? Is that I'm happening? working on the fourth one because, um, I, yeah, I wrote my first book from felony to fitness to free. I think I was came out in 2014. So it's, I was like 25, 26. That's incredible. Wait, hold on. That's a big deal. Like it yeah, takes was... a lot to write a book. I mean, everybody well, has well, well, experience. Well, for me, for me, let's just not give me too oh. much credit. Okay. I, oh, really? I what? Them, no, I'm joking. But <laughs> I, I, I was like a word, I was like word vomit on a word document and um, it was very therapeutic, but I remember like taking it to a client who had had some writing background and she was like, Doug, you got to have chapters. Like you can't just have a, <laughs> <laughs> like however many pages in a book. And I'm like, Oh, and I like, that's amazing. Well, yeah, let me ask you, let's back up for one second. Like why I, the obvious, you want to share your story, right. but like, why did you, cause to really fucking say, I'm going to write a book. Like, was there anything else that was, was it something you wanted to do for yourself? Like a win that you needed or wanted? Was there anything in there? Um, I, I was honestly, I was just pushed. I was in this, um, went to this mentorship and then I ended up joining a mastermind when I was like 20. How old was I? I was like 23, 24. I was, I was young and it was a fitness. It was like a fitness thing where I, it was essentially like they were teaching how to be a better fitness entrepreneur, a better trainer, um, for me, a better man, like how to like treat people, like set like personal, professional and spiritual goals and stuff. And um, one of my mentors is like, dude, like after hearing my stories, you got to write a book. I'm like, what? I was like, I barely graduated high school. Like I only thought like people like, you know, <laughs> JK Rowling and people like that were the ones who wrote books. Like I was like, you know, the one who, um, I was like, you know, I didn't barely graduated high school. Right. And, and they were like, dude, you have an amazing story. Like you need to share it. And I was just like, all right. So I ended up hiring, not hiring with this girl and who was in my group was a writer and she was like, Hey, I, I'll write your book for you. If you just talk to me on the phone and tell me a bit and I'll write. And I remember like, um, and I hope she's not listening to this, but I remember her sending it to me and I was like, Oh, this sucks. And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't, and I guess it was more. It, maybe it didn't to the average person. It wasn't bad, but to me, because it was my story Your story. Yeah. I had, it carried more emotional weight. hundred percent. I can imagine when I, when I was having, when I was judging like how, how it was turning out. Right. So then eventually I just said, you know what? I need to do this myself. And so I wrote it and it became very therapeutic. And, um, 
And that, and that was book number one, which is called from felony to fitness to free, uh, totally self pub self published all three books. And then, Amazing. um, I ended up developing a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this was at a time, this is a few years after that, this was at a time where, uh, I was completely lost. Like I thought that if I dated pretty girls, had a great body, made good money, that I was going to be happy forever. Like screw life. Like I was going to be happy forever. Fundamentals. And, <laughs> yeah. And you, and you, and you reach a point where you're like, yeah, it's just, just not the way it is. So I ended up, um, writing this book called faith, family, fitness, which is my second book where I pretty much put together like the top 15 lessons I had learned up until that point in my life into a, into a book that had like corresponding action steps, Bible verses, and pretty much was trying to encourage people to have more faith in their life. And, and then that was like a stepping six. I, I realized, like, I, I want to say this. I realized that I write books, like as a reflection of where I'm at in my life, like where, like after I've achieved something and I'm like, all right, I've achieved something. I want me to help people yeah. like get to where, or let me help inspire people like t- based on where I'm at right now. So that was, you know, the, the felony just come off my record, which is when I wrote the first book or the felony conviction. I came up, just come off my record, which is where I, when I wrote the first book, the second book was right after I just, um, became a Christian. And the third book just called the heart of recovery, where I, I interviewed 50 of the most inspiring people uh, who have gotten into recovery from, from addiction, um, from all walks of life, just to encourage people that it doesn't matter whether if you're worth a dollar or a million dollars, like addiction hits everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, you can recover in whatever way works best for you. But I believe there's some common themes. I believe you have to spend time with people that bring the best out in you. I believe you have to take care of your health and fitness. I believe you have to have this deep level of self-awareness on like what you need to do on a daily basis to stay away from whatever substances, drugs, or whatever you were abusing. And I also think that spirituality is a fundamental component of that. Again, I don't care if you're Christian, Buddhist, spiritual nature, like whatever, like find something that works for you. Right. Um, and I think if you can do those things, you'll actually live purposefully and prosper prosperously in recovery. And so now I've realized that a lot's happened between the time I wrote my first book, which was back in 2014, like eight years ago. And now there's a lot that I haven't shared. And so I'm working on trying to like connect all the dots, put all the pieces together. Oh, wow. Like um, the second edition, the second edition. That's awesome. Self-published again. That's so awesome. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I love it. And when did you launch your podcast? Cause your podcast is fire. I mean, you, I feel like is it, I mean, you have to really love it. Like I I feel you, you know, have amazing guests and, you know, really rich conversations. Um, well, so let me ask you this, actually, why did you start a podcast? Um, so I had, I had been, I had the good fortune of being on other podcasts to share my story. I mean, I went on, you know, impact theory with Tom and then, uh, rituals podcast. Yeah. And, and just done some, some great media and shared my story. And I got a lot of great feedback from it that it inspired me to kind of pay it forward a little bit and say, okay, like if I'm going on these shows and, and people are reaching out to me and, um, it's helping them, like, well, I could start a podcast and uh, maybe do the same. And I had been told I had a great bit radio voice and I was a good communicator. So mm-hmm. I thought, like, all right, like, let's give this a shot. And I started it a couple of years ago during like the pandemic essentially. And, um, just gave me something positive, gave me something positive to focus on. And here I am, you know, two years, two years later, over 200 episodes in and damn, um, it's been awesome. 
two over 200. You passed yeah. me. I'm, I'm four and a half years in and you passed me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not by that much, but still you're winning. Um, no, that's amazing. Um, I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, if you think about that, like in the last, you know, eight years, I mean, to write three books, to launch a podcast, very successful podcast, obviously your training business, which is still robust and gratefully, you know, everything is back open. And so I'm sure you're, you know, you're back in it strong. I mean, is that really fueling you? What's inspiring you right now? Actually, wherever you want to go with it, career, personal life, like what's at the top Um, of your heart, mind? Well, I think financially it's, I'm being driven now to like training is, is good now. I mean, it wasn't for a couple of years because of the pandemic. So I've been really focusing a lot of time and energy in the building that back up because no matter what I do, I'll still always have, a, there's always, will always be a place in my heart for training people. I've been doing it over 11 years and mm-hmm. um, it's been a great tool to um, like pay it forward from what my cellmate did for me when I was in jail to help other people with fitness. And honestly, like it, it, it's just, life's just this beautiful dance for me where every day I'm just really focusing on giving it my best. I'm trying to contribute a little bit to the world um, learning from my mistakes, um, looking ahead and seeing how I can like bridge that gap between what I want most in life and what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And then just honestly, just taking it day by day. It's beautiful. Well, cause there's, you know, I mean, we know that when we start running too far ahead, we can start, you know, now, now the process is, is owning us and, and anxiety kicks in because we, we can only really be right here. Right. So I'm not saying don't, you know, have goals and, you know, a vision. I'm certainly a woman of vision, but you know, your most, your power is here. And I think that that next kind of stepped mentality allows you to be very present and intentional in each step, which I think is so, so important. And ultimately too, I think it really allows you to stay so connected with everything that you're doing. And that's fucking huge because a lot of people I feel actually are not connected. Like maybe they like the idea of this thing, this relationship, this the idea, but like, is it really in your heart? Is it in your fucking soul? Like that you want to do and move into this, whatever the thing is. Right. So right. I think when you really are moving, which is so hard to do that, I'm yeah. just going to take it one step at a time. That's fucking hard. <laughs> Super hard. But I think at the end of the day, like that's the only way to do it because if you future trip, and you're trying to like essentially like jump from step one to step 40 or from step one to step 23 or whatever. Um, you'll miss the important pieces along the way that are fundamentally important for yeah. you to be able to achieve whatever it is you're looking to do at those steps that are in the future. Yeah. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Okay. I'm going to ask you um, just a fun question. What yeah, is some, what's something that may surprise people to learn about you <laughs> uh, or, or a fun fact, whichever way you want to go. I'm just curious. Um, fun fact or something that's surprising. I, I'll tell a funny story. So um, when I was a teenager, um, a bunch of us, we were, were going to this rope swing. And like I said, I was like this goofy, uncoordinated, like overweight kid who was always high. And my friends, we, we would go and they would, they would go off the rope and go into the water. Well, so I'm like stumbling my way up to the tree. Like, um, as you can imagine, like really like panicking, like as I grabbed the rope and jumping off into the water and I made it. 
So the next thing that happened, and I think I was like 18 or something, um, was they're like, Doug, all right, we're going to jump off this ledge, like free fall. It's a little higher up from where the rope is, but you got to hold the rope to brace yourself. And then as soon as you jump, you got to let go. I'm like, all right, cool. So do the same kind of dance that I did when I was swinging off the rope. Like I'm panicking, like stumble my way like up the tree and I get to this place and I jump and I forget to let go of the rope and I oh, face, fine. and I face plant into the tree oh. <laughs> and the rope like pins me up by my neck. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, dude, let go of the rope. <laughs> and so I let go of the rope and I fall into like a foot of mud. So that, might, fucked up. that might surprise some people based on like what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> that is so messed up. I can just see it like um 80s movie because everything I love the 80s, but like, oh man, that's like in stand by me or some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good one. Thank you for that. Um, I'm here for all the laughs. Fuck. Okay. Before I move into rapid fire words, is there anything that you didn't speak to in this amazing conversation um that you'd like to insert here, or maybe something that you wish people would ask you more on? Um anything in that area, but no pressure. If not, I think at the end of the day, I think it's just the, the one thing I think it's important for, for people to hear is that you got to focus on how far you've come and how far you have to go. Like, I think in life, it's easy to look at all the things we haven't achieved or the people we haven't met or the money that we haven't made. But I think what really helps separate um, the people from who make it and the people that don't is just, um, like, like smell, like literally, like sitting back and smelling the roses, like embracing like the things you have achieved, and celebrating like the small wins in your life. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm all about that. Speaking to my heart. Um. Okay. Rapid fire words. You ready? Go you don't it, have to yeah. be rapid. Um. You can elaborate however which way you like. It's just when I share these words, it's what you feel. All right. Okay. First word: love. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh Fear. Can be good. Can be. Yeah. Challenge. Yes. What's my word for challenge? Embrace. Or or it could be a thought, feeling, whatever. Embrace. Embrace. I love it. Um, Curiosity. Important. Passion. Everything. Courage. Keep having it. Resilience. Build it. Final word. Excellence. Integrity. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You win. You're so awesome. Tell everyone how to stay up to date with you on Instagram, your podcast, where do they buy your books? Like everything. <laughs> so the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm at Doug Bobst. Uh, my books and everything are on my website. If you go to dougbobst.com podcast is called the adversity advantage, and you can find it like wherever you get your podcast. And um, yeah, this has been awesome. So Roxy, I appreciate you having me on and glad we could do this. Thank you. It's been so much fun and we're going to do it again for sure. Calling it out now. So thank you. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next. Oh, 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 oh,